Our society is transforming before our very eyes into one of post-truth. The Cambridge Dictionary defines post-truth as, quote, relating to a situation in which people are more likely to accept an argument based upon their emotions and beliefs rather than based upon facts, end quote. Most Canadians have adopted this post-truth mentality, and many more of us will be casualties of this new paradigm. Only a strong dose of harsh reality can possibly guide us back to an objective, truth-based ethos. The absurd but widely accepted phrase, my truth, is central to the post-truth unreality. It supplants a societal objective truth with multiple ones based upon individual feelings. This is, of course, the end of truth itself, and that is precisely the point. It is thinly disguised nihilism. We are our emotions, so if they fail to inform us of the truth, then their utility is at least dubious. The proper way to understand our emotions is, in combination with objective truth, as a means of avoiding future trauma. This early warning system is what we call intuition or gut instinct. Our intuition is an emotion-based defense mechanism designed to help us act without thinking to avoid danger. A post-truth society deliberately stifles the development of intuition by avoiding emotional trauma altogether. Instead, emotions become our truth. What better way to control people than through emotional manipulation after crippling their defense intuition? However, this societal manipulation strategy can only work as long as my truth is not confronted with the truth and we are insulated from emotional trauma. Objective truth is dying by a thousand cuts under a deliberate leftist strategy to annihilate Western culture and prepare us for emotional control. Here are some examples of the generational grooming to which we, are, we in the West have been exposed. Participation trophies, avoiding the trauma of losing and starving the will to win. Elimination of traditional family roles, desecrating motherhood, fatherhood, and the fundamental distinctions between the two genders. Changing definitions, rendering words meaningless by removing their objective definitions, thereby crippling our ability to communicate rationally. Toxic masculinity, discouraging boys from behaving like men who understand how to manage the risks needed to provide for and protect a family. Trauma avoidance, trigger warnings and safe spaces teach children to avoid facts and data, promoting rational thought, leading to objective truth and informed intuition. Censorship. All offensive speech must be prohibited in order to preserve my truth, even if it means not being confronted by the truth. All such assaults upon truth are meticulously calculated and propagandized by the postmodernist progressives who seek to dismantle Western culture and replace it with a new paradigm of lies. Rod Dreyer, in his 2020 book, Live Not by Lies, states the matter thusly, we ignore truth at our great peril. End quote. Truth is a brutal master that can only make our post-truth world transitory. The first casualty has been unity, which is why post-truth goes hand in glove with diversity, inclusion, equity, and multiculturalism, which together make the patently false claim that all cultures are equally valuable and worthy. We need only look at the perpetually demeaning caste system in India or the way that Sharia law treats women to see that the West is in so many ways superior to other cultures in terms of maximization of human flourishing. Truth, facts, and data are the foundation of our unity. 
post-truth's first great division is between those who claim my truth and those of us who insist upon objective truth. This cancerous growth has corrupted all of our major institutions, including politics, law and order, our justice system, energy and food production, education, healthcare, and even religion. It splits families and will eventually consume its own people, leading to societal collapse. Inexorably, that will transform the law and order-based Western nations towards some form of government rather resembling tyranny. Diversity and inclusion equity programs are perhaps the best example of this post-truth. DIE programs explain that biases are a natural product of progressive evolution. It seems that our prehistoric ancestors needed bias in order to accurately distinguish between friends and foes. How we managed to learn this truth from prehistory, of course, remains inexplicable. Never mind our inability to conduct controlled experiments on people who perished over seven millennia ago, and that application of postmodern psychological analysis to prehistoric humans is impossible. The point is that these biases were needed for the survival of people kind. Die instructors insist that we must learn to transcend these innate biases and to make judgments about people based upon their physical features, their sex, attire, or behavior, except that all such judgments are bigoted, misogynist, and cisnormative. You begin to see the point? Yet, if such judgments are based upon some natural evolutionary process enabling human survival, then we are left to ponder why exactly we would choose to dispense with these proven survival strategies. Survival is presumably good, as is progressive evolution, right? And then there is the fact that some opinions are unwelcome in the technocratic model promoted by die ideologues. Certainly not objectively true traditional beliefs about gender and sexuality. One's gender and sexuality, like our race, are supposedly so intrinsic to my truth that to question or resist die doctrine is equivalent to fascism. Conversely, questioning or resisting objectively true traditional gender norms is highly encouraged. Herein lies the supreme irony of the die regime that now permeates Western culture and institutions. A self-described multicultural movement that seeks to impose a flat monoculture based upon progressive sexual, gender, and racial values. Die ideologues therefore claim that diversity is not only the right thing, but is necessary to facilitate professional success. We cannot steamroll people or coerce everyone into uniformity, but we can encourage healthy tension that engenders energy and creativity. It is in crude form a manifestation of the Hegelian dialectic employed by Marxists in which thesis and antithesis clash to form a synthesis, thus propelling forward the positive vision of human history and technological progress. The only effective method to prevent this descent into post-truth is to elect candidates to high public office who support objective truth policies which protect individual rights and freedoms. These same policies would eliminate Marxist government stimulus and welfare programs so that people are required to face the stark reality of having to work for a living. We must also confront the my-truthers on social media. We must populate the fields of medicine, law, the judiciary, universities, and professional boards so that my-truthers are excluded. We must all abandon our safe spaces and comfort zones and realize that avoiding confrontation and disputation is simply no longer an option. 
The future of Western culture hangs in the balance, and so we must preach the truth as if our lives depended upon it. In fact, our lives do depend upon it, especially in the Western nation, where it is now most legally feasible to kill yourself, Canada. A Canadian fashion company published an advert recently that had nothing whatsoever to do with fashion. At the end of the 30-second ad, we discover that its 37-year-old subject, Jennifer Hatch, is already dead. Here's what she says. Last breaths are sacred, even though as I seek help to end my life with all the pain in these final moments, there is still so much beauty. I feel like I'm falling through the cracks. I'm not able to access health care. Am I then able to access death care? And that's what led me to look into MAID. It is far easier to let go than to keep fighting. End quote. According to the National Post, Hatch was terminally diagnosed with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, a rare and painful condition that compromises connective tissues. She turned to medical assistance in dying, or MAID, after failing to secure medically assisted living arrangements. The Trudeau government has continually expanded eligibility for assisted suicide with corporate support. It has even removed the 10-day wait time between requests for MAID execution. It need not be requested in writing, nor does it even require a physician. It could be a nurse seeing you for the very first time, or even a pharmacist. This past summer, the Trudeau government reported that over 10,000 people died via assisted suicide in 2021 alone. In 2023, they will expand made eligibility to the mentally ill. To put this into context, when the Liberals first legalized euthanasia in 2016, it was only open to adult patients with terminal conditions. The Hatch case is far from unique. In many more egregious cases, Canadians have been offered made in lieu of proper medical treatment. Most recently, there were five separate cases of military veterans who were offered MAID instead of treatment for mental health issues ranging from depression to PTSD. The pendulum is clearly swinging from mere legalization to promotion of medically assisted death so that sick patients who want to live but struggle to acquire proper care end up pressured to permit hospitals to kill them instead. There is even a growing movement on the left to participate in a, quote, voluntary human extinction, which is contributing to low birth rates today. President Biden's coronavirus advisor, Ezekiel Emanuel, who is also the architect of Obamacare, has argued for years that Americans should die by age 75. This appears to be his truth. He's 65 now, so perhaps he would like to take his own advice and forfeit his remaining decade on the planet? Of course not. That would be applying rationality and the objective truth that the most basic human instinct is survival and not death. <laughs>